This is Still Rowing, a podcast where members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints share their authentic stories of struggle and triumph on their journey of discipleship, and just why they are choosing faith in the restored Church of Jesus Christ. Hey friends, I've now reached the 13th episode of the Still Rowing podcast, and Full disclosure, this is the second recording of this episode. After posting the first version yesterday, which I confess was put together and recorded in a bit of a hurry, because let's be honest, it's a very busy time of year. Well, today I re-listened to the episode and found that even I got a little lost listening and I wasn't connecting the dots. My thoughts were kind of all over the place. So, I erased the first version because I felt it was important to make my thoughts on this topic very clear. So there's my disclosure, and thanks to my husband for editing this again. You're the best. Moving on. Whether you've been listening for a while or you're new to the podcast, I want to thank you for being with me. It's my hope that something you've heard on this podcast has helped you find the desire and strength to continue to row and choose faith in Christ and his church. Now, I'm not making money off this podcast. In fact, I'm spending money to produce it, and that's okay because my compensation is simply knowing that this is reaching those who need a spiritual boost and perhaps a little help on their faith journey. With this in mind, I'd like to invite you to help me spread the word about the Still Rowing podcast. You can do this in a number of ways. First, if you have a Ward Facebook page, I'd invite you to post a link maybe to your favorite episode or just to stillrowing.com. Second, you can share it on any social media outlet with a link to Still Rowing uh, or iTunes. Next, please rate and review it on iTunes. The more ratings and reviews a podcast has, the more visible it becomes in people's searches for similar or faith-based content. Finally, just share it with a friend or a family member via text or word of mouth. And if you found a particular episode helpful, I'd love to hear from you. I just might read your response in a future episode. Stories have power, and as we share these faith-filled stories with those around us, we help sustain others in their faith. So thanks in advance for your help. Now on to the real content of this episode. Did any of you watch Pee-wee's Playhouse growing up? I know that might show my age. It was a ridiculous, often cringe-worthy show, but there was one part of each show that, for some reason, I really liked. It was the connect the dots part. He'd jump into his magic screen, throw out some dots, and start singing, connect the dots, la 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 la. I liked watching the moving line connect the random points on the screen that eventually formed a sled or a boat or whatever, and Pee-wee would interact with the now fully formed picture. But before the line connected the dots, there wasn't any clear connection to the random points on the screen. It was only when they were connected that it became useful or meaningful to Pee-wee. How does this relate? Well, in the last several months, I've had a number of conversations with individuals and seen some things online that suggest to me that sometimes we as members of the church don't connect the dots. We don't connect the dots when it comes to the grandeur, 
the expansiveness, and the inclusive nature of God's great plan of happiness for his children, and the vital role his church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, plays in that plan. We go to church, we sit through talks and lessons about the importance of temple work, or modern revelation, or the priesthood, covenants and ordinances, etc. But until we connect the dots and see the full picture, we won't appreciate what it means to be a member of this church, and the opportunity and responsibility tied to our membership. Not connecting these dots may keep us from fully enjoying our membership, or worse, leaving the very organization that exists for the sole purpose of bringing us peace and bringing us back to God. So let's discuss and answer some important questions to help us better connect the dots. We know from scripture that God is no respecter of persons. He loves all of his children and desires that all of his children have an equal opportunity to return to live with him. But Christ's gospel and the saving ordinances have only been available to a limited number of his children in this mortal life. Even now, Christians make up a mere 32% of the world's current population, according to the Pew Research Center. And with only 16 million members of the Church of Jesus Christ worldwide, we're but a drop in the bucket. For some, these numbers stand as an obstacle in believing that there could be one true church, especially when we fully believe that God does in fact love all his children and desires that they return to him. Also, we all know many individuals who are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ, who exemplify goodness, who serve selflessly, who believe in their heart of hearts that their church or worldview is true and right. Surely God loves all these people and is actively working in their lives. That being said, let's first address this idea of truth and if people outside of the Church of Jesus Christ can receive confirmations of truth in their beliefs or traditions. We believe all people come into this world with the light of Christ. In the Guide to the Scriptures, it states that the light of Christ is a divine energy, power, or influence that proceeds from God through Christ and gives life and light to all things. It also helps people understand gospel truths and helps to put them on the gospel path that leads to salvation. One manifestation of the light of Christ is conscience, which helps a person choose between right and wrong. People who hearken to the light of Christ are led to the gospel. So, in other words, all truth, in whatever tradition, culture, or faith it resides, leads every humble truth seeker along a path toward goodness and light, and ultimately greater truth, bringing them closer to God and His Son. And certainly, people can have spiritual experiences and confirmations of truth in their faith tradition so long as it is good and consistent with divine law. Why then would we have a need for a true church? Well, let's connect the dots. I think this is best answered when we consider what God's motivating purpose is. We read in Moses 139, For behold, this is my work and my glory, to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. Based on what we know from scripture and the words of the prophets, there are some vital elements necessary for exaltation. I'll just cite the most obvious one that most Christians agree upon. Jesus taught, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's John 3, 5. So Jesus plainly said, you need to be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost to enter my kingdom. 
That single condition set by Jesus himself becomes very problematic when there are disagreements even within Christianity about what the proper mode of baptism is, and some argue if baptism is really even necessary. And this is an argument among Christians. If baptism really is essential to returning to God, this becomes an insurmountable barrier for people who don't have the opportunity to be taught the gospel or even hear the name Jesus Christ in this life. So the church helps us overcome this barrier. Christ Church provides the essential ordinances, such as baptism and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost by proper authority for the living and the dead by proxy which, by the way, we only know about through modern revelation via prophets. If Jesus said this was key to exaltation, we should take his word for it. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the only organization on earth working to provide this necessary ordinance for all of mankind, living and dead. Hence our huge emphasis on building temples and temple work. I think that's why it says in Doctrine and Covenants section 2 verse 3, that the earth would be utterly wasted at Christ's coming if we didn't do this work for our deceased ancestors. Why would it be wasted? Because countless numbers of God's children would have come to this earth, lived and died, without even the chance to return to God. So, let's connect the dots. Temple work is vital, and the Church of Jesus Christ and its covenant-keeping members are the means of providing saving ordinances absolutely essential for exaltation. That begs the question, what's the big deal about covenants and ordinances? Why would ordinances and covenants be essential to bringing to pass the immortality and eternal life of man? When we participate in ordinances and make covenants, it allows us to have the gift of the Holy Ghost and receive an endowment of God's power. Now, this shouldn't seem weird that God would expect something from us before bestowing his great power. Just like you're not going to give your 12-year-old the keys to your brand new sports car, God doesn't give his power willy-nilly to those who are unprepared. We prepare ourselves by having faith in Christ, repenting and making an honest effort to live God's commandments. Preparing for and making covenants with God is an immeasurable benefit in our preparation toward exaltation because God's power given through the Holy Ghost really is a superpower. It helps us put off the natural man. It purifies and elevates our desires, helps us better distinguish right from wrong, truth from error. It increases our desire to repent and, in a very real way, asterisk, expedites the process of becoming holy and ultimately like our Father, which, again, is the asterisk whole purpose in our being here. Remember, God's greatest goal is to help us to receive all that he has, and that requires us to become something, not just to do something. So the church offers the quote-unquote package deal, the fast lane to godhood, if you will, which is, number one, the doctrine. In the church, we are taught essential knowledge of truth. We cannot be saved in ignorance. Two, the church provides essential covenants and ordinances, which those covenants prepare us to receive an endowment of power, which helps purify us and increases our capacity to be and do good. Three, the church provides service opportunities that help us develop Christ-like qualities of charity and patience. This service, in turn, blesses God's children 
and builds his kingdom on earth and on the other side of the veil. Because one of the great services done by members includes the work we do for God's children waiting in the spirit world to receive necessary ordinances. On a related note, while only a limited number of God's children receive the gospel in this life, someone has to receive the gospel and the authority here, or else there would be no one to do missionary work and teach all those waiting in the spirit world who have not yet received it. We read in Doctrine and Covenants 138, 57 through 58, I beheld that the faithful elders of this dispensation, when they depart from mortal life, continue their labors in the preaching of the gospel of repentance and redemption through the sacrifice of the only begotten Son of God among those who are in darkness and under the bondage of sin in the great world of the spirits of the dead. The dead who repent will be redeemed through obedience to the ordinances of the house of God. So let's connect the dots. The church offers the package deal, the fast lane to help us return to God and ultimately It is the framework for which all of God's children can potentially be exalted if they so choose. Next question. What then is the value of making covenants in this life? Being a member can be uncomfortable, stressful. It's a lot of work. In addition, why stress about sharing the gospel here when all people can just receive it in the spirit world? First, I should say that I wholeheartedly believe we will be given many opportunities in mortality and in the life hereafter to repent and change. So long as there is a humble desire to repent and action toward that end, I believe God will be very merciful, more so than we can possibly imagine. I know this because I have witnessed God's great mercy in my own life and in the lives of people I know and love, some of whom have made many serious mistakes, and Christ's atonement was working in their lives every time they sincerely repented. However, we read in Alma 34:32, For behold, this life is the time for men to prepare to meet God. While I fully believe in the great mercy of God, it is easier to, number one, avoid sin when we know God's laws, and number two, repent of sin when we understand the atonement of Jesus Christ, and number three, when we have a body. This is the case because so many sins deal with the abuse of our body, like infidelity or addiction. If you don't have a body, it seems like it would be harder to change and become stronger without that vital bodily tool and the unique experiences that only an embodied spirit can have. Kind of like it's harder to get stronger if you don't have any weights or exercise equipment to work out with. Here's an interesting quote by Melvin J. Ballard on the subject. He said, it is my judgment that any man or woman can do more to conform to the laws of God in one year in this life than they could do in 10 years when they are dead. The spirit only can repent and change, and then the battle has to go forward with the flesh afterwards. It is much easier to overcome and serve the Lord when both flesh and spirit are combined as one. This is the time when men are more pliable and susceptible. When clay is pliable, it is much easier to change than when it gets hard and sets. He goes on to say, This life is the time to repent. That is why I presume it will take a thousand years after the first resurrection until the last group will be prepared to come forth. It will take them a thousand years to do what it would have taken but three score years and ten to accomplish in this life. End of quote. In addition to Elder Ballard's words, it says that 
in Doctrine and Covenants 138.50, for the dead had looked upon the long absence of their spirits from their bodies as a bondage. Now, I suspect that is because we are limited in many, many ways when we don't have our bodies, including in our ability to participate in ordinances and repent of certain sins that are bodily in nature. So this time on earth really is a gift. It's the best training ground to help us develop godlike qualities as we're in this environment where there is opposition in all things. Again, it is my feeling and experience that God deeply loves all of his children and will give us ample opportunities in this life and the next to repent and course correct. Remember, we will all have a thousand years during the millennium to learn and to prepare for final judgment. That's a good chunk of time. If we want exaltation, if we want to be with God, we can undoubtedly change and progress if that is the true desire of our hearts. But there's the kicker. It will ultimately be the desires of our hearts that will determine whether we will choose life or death, exaltation or a lesser kingdom. And the desires of our hearts will become more and more fixed in this life as we either accept or reject light and truth and then live according to those beliefs. Now, a final quote and summary to finish off. In Elder Renlin's book, The Melchizedek Priesthood, he wrote... Through the atonement of Jesus Christ, all who come to earth will be saved from physical death because resurrection is universally and unconditionally given. All may ultimately be saved from spiritual death conditioned on obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. But for that to happen, the gospel with its laws and ordinances needs to be delivered to God's children. God's delivery system in this last and final dispensation is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This church is his appointed vehicle. He goes on to say, All priesthood holders, and I will also add all covenant-keeping members of the church, are vital, mission-critical components of the Lord's atonement delivery system. In summary, we believe all of God's children, whether in or outside of the church, will be led along by the light of Christ, according to the desires of their hearts, to help them become what God hopes for them to become, if they so choose. So whether you're a Jew, a Muslim, a Christian, an atheist, all of these paths can lead to heaven. Some of them are more direct than others, but all those paths will ultimately have to converge and require each person to accept the path that God has prescribed, and that is accepting Christ as the Savior and his cleansing atonement, repenting of sins, making and keeping covenants, and receiving necessary ordinances if we are to be fit for celestial living. Not that God wouldn't want us all there, but we wouldn't be comfortable there if we aren't prepared. In fact, it would be a veritable hell to be with God and try to live a celestial-type life if we are not prepared. It really all boils down to agency and what we ultimately want. No one will be denied exaltation who really wants to be there and is willing to yoke themselves with Christ to get there. Are you connecting the dots? I'm so grateful to have this knowledge and testimony of God's grand and expansive and inclusive plan for his children. I only know this because of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Being a covenant-keeping member of this church gives us the great opportunity and responsibility to help God's children on both sides of the veil to return to him.
This shouldn't make us feel superior in any way. God loves all of his children, all of them. But if you've been able to sing the song of redeeming love, which is ultimately understanding God's great merciful plan for each of us, we will want to share this good news. This is something worth going on a full-time mission for. This church is worth sacrificing for because it is the vehicle through which God will deliver us safely back home. Thanks for being with me today, friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Still Rowing Podcast. The views expressed here are not necessarily the views of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, nor is this podcast affiliated with the church. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to receive updates on future episodes. You can submit comments or questions at stillrowing.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening.